here to fuel your Rockets news. This is Clutch Fans Rockets Fuel Podcast. I'm your host, LaShar Binkley. Um, as usual, you can find me on Twitter at Binkley Hoops and also a staff writer for the Dream Shake. I just came out with an article recently on Jalen Green making the all-rookie first team, which was kind of historic because it was the uh, it's now two years in a row that a Houston Rockets made a first team all-rookie, something that hadn't happened since 1984-85. So definitely check that out. Um, Today, we have a very special guest. Unfortunately, my co-host is a little bit under the weather, so I'll be flying solo on this one. Um, But we have a very special guest today. As you know, we had a a draft lottery reaction show on Spaces the other day that drew over 5,000 people that came through uh, the five or six hours we were on air. Um, So definitely appreciate everybody that came out for that. So we're going to definitely continue to um, bring you wall-to-wall draft coverage uh, from now until the draft, and honestly, probably after draft, because we're still going to be talking draft even after that. Um, so today we have a very special uh, guest on today, someone that I've been following for a while, uh, one of the few people that I go to when I need uh, knowledge on different players, um, really great draft coverage, um, someone I definitely recommend everybody um, checks out. So before we get too deep into it, I want to give him a chance to introduce himself to our listeners and also our viewers that'll be checking this out later on YouTube. Yeah, so I'm Keandre. I run the YouTube channel called Hoop Intellect. Um, you can basically find me on all p- platforms at Hoop Intellect. Um, but yeah, so I basically just, like you said, run a, a, a draft-centric YouTube channel. We do other basketball videos and stuff like that too. Um, but just breaking down some of those top prospects, going through mock drafts, big boards, and things of that nature. So um, yeah, that's really what what I do Um on YouTube. Yeah, like I said, I appreciate you coming on. I've been following you for a while. I've actually reached out to you a couple of times on some articles I've uh, written. Um, so I always, you know, definitely value your opinion when it comes to draft time. And, you know, before the last couple of years, the Rockets really weren't involved too much in the draft. Um, it's kind of something new for us Rockets fans. Um, so we've been trying to find people that we can actually look to to actually get really good draft coverage. You're definitely one of those people. Um so before we get too deep into it, uh, why don't you let everybody know how long you've been doing this? How did you get into uh, draft coverage? Yeah, so when I was in college, which is a couple years ago, mm-hmm. um, I spent a lot of time writing about the draft on Medium, um, you know, kind of doing some of the similar things, just doing scouting reports, breaking down certain players. Um, and during that time, I was kind of teaching myself how to edit um, use Photoshop and things of that nature, all the yeah. skills that you need to make the videos that I do. Um, and then about in 2020, I just kind of had the idea to go ahead and put it onto YouTube and, and make a um, series and content out of it. And so I started doing those scouting reports um, probably like January. I think I did like James Wiseman, LaMelo, yeah. um, guys like that at, at first. And those were really successful. So I was like, oh, I should probably just keep doing this. Yeah. Um, and then the pandemic hit kind of threw a, a wrench in there. I didn't have a computer or a laptop at the time. So I was just using the 
um, library laptops yeah. or library computers. And then I was able to borrow a Surface Pro, one of them little small Surface Pros, oh, and yeah. edited like the majority of of um of videos off of that until I could afford a, a laptop. So then I got that, and it was kind of uh, off to the races from there. And then just been trying to get better and, and learn more about the game and um, kind of produce the, the best product that I possibly could. So uh, that's kind of how I've been going for the last year or so and then getting into where we're at right now. And I'm sure it's been, you know, great because there's a lot of great draft people out there, a lot of people with like huge platforms, but it seems like your channel is definitely taken off in, you know, in the, the you know, few years that you've been doing it. Yeah. Um, it's been pretty crazy. I never really expected this. Um, yeah. When I started, it was just kind of an idea that I had and I thought that I was, I was, you know, able to bring something to the table. Um, but it, it took off in a way that I never thought it would before. Um, like the, the last mock draft did unreal numbers that I put up. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just thankful to be in the position and glad people really uh, rock with the content. Yeah. And speaking of that mock draft, I actually checked it out. Your uh, mock 2.0 that came out after the um, draft lottery results were announced. And I want to get your top five. I mean, I, like I said, I already watched the video, but if you can give your top five from the, the mock draft, because in the second segment, we're going to actually talk about the Rocket 17 pick. Um, so we'll go over that then, but we're going to be focusing more on the number three pick coming up. So could you give everybody your top five um, that you had in your uh, mock draft? Yeah. So, you know, there's obviously going to be a, a pretty big difference of opinion in this uh, in this draft class between those kind of top three prospects. Um, the guy that I had going number one is because I think that he's the best player in the draft and I think he fits better in Orlando than maybe, you know, the, the popular opinion is. Yeah. I had Paulo Bancaro going number one. Um, really like what he could possibly do there. And then at number two, we had Chet Holmgren going to OKC and kind of being that backside defensive guy, lob threat for, um, you know, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy. Then at number three, we had Jabari Smith going to your own uh, Houston Rockets. Yeah. At four, we got Jaden Ivey going to Sacramento. Um, and then at five, we had Shaden Sharp going to Detroit. So that's basically kind of the the five that I had, but obviously, depending on where number one goes and you look around, you see kind of Orlando fans and Orlando beat writers, some of the smarter people in their um, kind of community really likes Chet, number one. Um, yeah. So if that goes, if it goes that way, then you've got a whole nother different kind of set of possibilities. I know um, there, there just could be a lot of things that could go on. Um, just between those top three and where things shake out. Yeah, and I, I think that, I mean, just following the drafts for a long time, it just seems like it's one of the most unpredictable drafts I've seen in a long time. I mean, if you go back and look at the Zion Williamson draft, I mean, that was obvious he was going to be number one. I mean, even last year, um, as much as we like Jalen Green here and we know how great he's been, especially in the last you know part of the season, most people said that Kay Cunningham was going to be the number one pick. I mean, this year, I don't know. It just seemed like it's kind of all over the place who could be the number one pick. And I kind of want to start with your number one pick. What do you think makes, uh, you know, Bancaro the best overall player? Because, I mean, I don't know how much you follow Rockets Twitter, but it's been a whole Civil War thing going on with Rockets Twitter on who should be number uh, the Rockets pick and uh, who shouldn't be. And you have the Bancaro camp and then people with Jabari Smith, one of my co-hosts, you know, Dave Hardesty loves Jabari Smith. Um, me personally, I I would, would pick Chet Holmgren, but – what do you think makes Paulo Bancaro the, the number one overall player? 
Yeah, so you just kind of look at Paulo's, you know, whole package. We've got somebody who's about 6'10", 6'11". Um, he could dribble, pass, and he has potential to really shoot it um, in the future. And then I think defensively what some people can kind of get caught up in um, is, you know, some of the lapses that he had. I think he's a better defender yeah. than advertised, um, and it really showed that on, on certain plays. And when he put that effort in, um, he looked like a completely different player. So you're kind of projecting that he will um, improve in that area going to the next level. I just think that, you know, in the modern NBA, you've got somebody who can can be a hub of an offense. You look at what kind of guys like Bam Adebayo do for his team, and then he also has a little bit more um, perimeter shot creation, being able to get a bucket himself um, and get all the way to the basket more than those other two guys can. Um, and, and, you know, for the record, I think that this is – top three is pretty close. So um, somebody having Chet, somebody having Jabari, I can, you could kind of make an argument for them. But for me, I just like what, what Paulo brings as an all around player and his overall potential offensively to, to really uh, be a threat in, in all facets. And, and uh, another thing I want to ask you about Paulo, do you see him as just strictly a forward? Cause I've seen some people try to kind of shoehorn in, him into being a small forward as well, do you think he has the capability to play small forward? Or do you just pretty much have him penciled in as a, a power forward going into the NBA? Yeah, I think that he's if he's going to play another position, it'll probably end up being center, depending okay. on what your lineups um, look like. Because I think just obviously we talked about the uh, defensive ability. It's more about kind of foot speed and being able to keep up with some of those threes. You know, like you know him him guarding Jason Tatum might be a little bit more difficult or you know, whoever else throw out another, you know, top flight, small forward in the league. Um, but kind of that that 3-4 spot is is a little bit in, in, interchangeable in the, in the modern NBA. But as long as, you know, um, there's certain lineups out there to, to kind of complement him defensively, I think he'd be fine just kind of staying in that four spot. And I know you have him at the number one spot, but like you said, the draft could be a, a fluid situation where it could change. Um, from one second to the next, and you, we may have Chet at number one or even Jabari at number one because I've seen on some mock drafts some people have Jabari Smith as number one. So I want to ask you because it's been a real huge debate down here in Houston as far as how would Paulo Bancaro fit in with Alperin Shangoon, who eventually at some point is probably going to be the starting center for the Rockets once they clear up the whole Christian Wood. Is he or isn't he going to be on the team anymore? How do you see him fitting next to Shangoon? Because the naysayers are basically saying they don't know how good a defensive front court that would be. That would it would have huge problems actually containing other front courts. So how do you see those two fitting? And do you see them be able to coexist on the floor at the same time? Yeah, that's kind of the thing that you have to 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 decide as an organization um, what what kind of direction that you're going in. Um, obviously, defensively, they would not be the greatest um, yeah. front court, especially being young and then kind of given their deficiencies. Um, and we've already seen Shingun kind of working through those on the defensive end um, yeah. through his rookie year. So that wouldn't be the the most picture-perfect fit, especially when you have guys in the backcourt like Jalen Green, Kevin Porter Jr., who also aren't the greatest defenders you know, on the yeah. NBA scale. Um, so that's kind of something that you have to juggle and weigh with those prospects. Um, but my thinking is – is and this just varies from person to person. That's why you get different opinions. Um, I wouldn't necessarily um, make a decision based off of 
Shangun when yeah. I think Bankero is the better prospect. Um, and then you can kind of just figure out, you know, who's the center that we can get in here that we can kind of stagger with the, the two of their minutes and then kind of run some different things for them, have two uh, kind of hubs the offense, and then maybe, you know, try out what they look like together um, and then just see what that looks like with, you know, guys like Jay Sean Tate out there and kind of do some different things with that. But, um, yeah, so I think from from that perspective, it gets a little, a little muddy. But when okay. we're talking about guys like Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr., I really like the fit there and the different things that you can do with him as a ball handler and being able to pass and make plays for others, um, dribble handoffs with guys getting downhill for guys like Jalen Green. I think that would be excellent. And he brings kind of a, a, a dynamic that those other two guys don't really bring in that department. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of how I see it with the Rockets. Um, there's just kind of going to have to be some some real thinking about the direction, who has the higher potential, who is the guy that you want to build with. And then, you know, if he's not if he's not that guy to you, then you go in a different direction, depending on who's there. If if Paulo's there at three, you kind of take him, you just kind of figure it out. Yeah. Um, but if you have the decision, then then um so um before we get into uh the person you had at number three, Javari Smith to the Rockets, I want to ask you uh one more question. It really kind of pertains to all players, but in particular, I want to ask you about when it comes to a, a Bancaro or a Chet Holmgren, um, do you factor in uh, how colleges play or how they, they play in the NCAA as far as they're able to pack in the paint? Uh, they're able to play different defense that you won't see in the NBA. You have a lot more space in the NBA. Uh, when you're doing like your um, scouting videos, do you factor that into um, more, I would say more than how they're performing in college? Do you kind of, fact that that what they're going to be able to do in the NBA is going to be a little bit more because they're going to have a lot more space and office is going to be a lot more complex uh, when they get to the next level. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a big thing to, to kind of track, even with a guy like Jaden Ivey this year, obviously his college offense is going to be worlds different than what he does um, in the NBA. So that's a big thing. And then also kind of watching, what they did previously, you know, we kind of follow these guys before they get to college. So seeing what Chet did in high school and, and seeing what Paulo did in high school and the things that they do um, on that level with different rules, different kind of skill sets out there, being a, that true number one guy better than pretty much everybody that they're ever going to play. Um, and just kind of factoring those things into, you know, their NBA projection. We, cause you know, a lot of times you get into a college system, you're playing your role, you're kind of trying to figure things out. Um, you might not show or take as many risks as you did before, but getting into the NBA, you get a lot more focus, a lot more time to work on your game and your skill set and, you know, different things pop up. That's why you see, um, you know, a guy might like Carl Anthony Towns might start shooting threes and he shot yeah. none at, at Kentucky or Devin Booker starts, you know, doing what he did in the league. And and it might have caught a lot of people by surprise when you watch him in high school. You know, those are more things that were a part of his game. So kind of package everything in into um, what's going on, what their college offense is running, what type of defenses are being played, you know, what the type of style is, like the Big Ten always doing pretty much playing 90s basketball, 80s basketball <laughs> yeah. a lot of the time. So, yeah. And, and uh, one more quick thing on that. Uh, when you brought up about uh, sometimes how they play in high school is more how they're going to play in the NBA. Do you think that helps a player like a Shaden Sharp who we didn't see at all in college and all we really have to go off of is his high school um basically his high school videos and high school games? I mean, it could have. It's also part of the reason that there's like such a mystique and kind of yeah. 
risk around him is because we haven't seen him on that that higher level of competition and even being able to to kind of play a role and in, in, in play against higher level players, you know, more defenses, people are going at him and stuff like that. Um, but from being able to see what he does on a college, uh, on a high school level and, you know, being that number one guy and uh, just kind of how he plays, it is a little beneficial to being able to see what he, he can do at the next level. And of course, you had uh, Jabari Smith at number three. Um, how do you see him fitting with the Rockets? He seems like a type of player that would fit on any team. Um, just the way his game is, you know, being able to be a three and D type of player as probably the you know, as his floor. Um, and of course, his ceiling can be a lot higher. How do you see him fitting with the Rockets, who, who desperately need defense and desperately need size out uh, in the front court or even on, at the three if he sometimes play a small forward? Yeah, I think that, like you said, he fits pretty much seamlessly with any team in the league, just kind of the way the league is going. Um, Somebody who can knock down threes at a really high rate, especially with, you know, more attention being drawn to other players on the court than just him. Um, But even then, like, he's one of the better contested shot makers that I've ever seen. Um, Just the way that he was consistently able to shoot over defenses was ridiculous. Um, But yeah, you know, what he can do defensively is what kind of sets him apart, at least out on the perimeter. Um, somebody who kind of came in as more of a traditional four, um, maybe even a small ball five, is actually a pretty good um, projectable wing defender. I think that he yeah. could actually slide down to the three a little bit easier, um, depending on the lineups. And, you know, you got different teams around the league who do um, a lot of different things. Like Cleveland just played Laurie Markin at the three for yeah. – 82 games but you know a lot of that has to do with what they have on the backside with Evan Mobley and Jared Allen but there's some different things that you can do lineup wise depending on your personnel um I think a guy like Usman Garuba could could really um you know help impact this team depending on how he comes along and things like that but yeah Jabari I think you know just playing off of Jalen Green and and KPJ and and Shangun and I think that he really fits pretty nicely there so if he's the pick at number three like I think you'd be you know, really excited and, and and happy to see what what happens with the with the team going forward. And like you said, like there's some questions about his you know overall um, upside or be able to or ability to create offense at a high level, yeah. being able to get to the basket, finish while he's there. Um, but those are things that you kind of know coming in. So that's like that's the growth area for him to cut, get to that next level that 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 star true star tier rather than like a a Clay Thompson type of star. Uh, yeah. And you kind of brought up about his tough shot making. I know a lot of people have, when they're talking about the negatives, when they talk about Jabari Smith, they talk about the fact that he doesn't get a lot of separation. Do you see that as more of a, more of a, he can make tough shots or do you see that as something that he has to improve on getting separation? Even though in the NBA, we all know, especially once you get into the playoffs, there's not a lot of separation you're going to get anyway, because the defense is, are playing you up so close and, you know, of course, NBA defenses are a lot better than in uh, college. So do you see that as something he just has to improve on or that it's just a benefit that he can make these tough shots, something he's going to have to do in the NBA? Yeah, it's kind of that relationship, both positive and negative. Yeah. Um, obviously, getting into the NBA, you've got guys with longer wingspans, the best in the business defensively, that'll make it a little bit more tougher on him um, taking those contested shots, but it's also a pot. Like you're not, you don't see a lot of guys doing this for a reason. Like they don't have that, that ability, that potential. So um, 
it is something that he's going to have to kind of work on, just getting that handle right, being able to create a little bit more separation on the perimeter and also just the threat of being able to get to the basket is going to open up his game so much um, that I don't think it would even be an uh, issue. So that'd be the number one thing that I focus on. And then everything else will probably just fall into place. And uh, a couple more questions before we wrap up the first segment. Um, I-, I wanted to also ask you, because uh, a lot of people have had a hard time coming up with comps with Jabari Smith. I mean, I've heard tall clay, which, you know, sounds okay, but it just kind of sounds like they're just kind of lumping the two of them together. Do you see a, a different comp, or is it just pretty much you see them as a Clay Thompson, a taller te- uh, Clay Thompson type? Yeah, I think the the hesitancy there is like, and, and kind of going back to the last thing that you asked, is like, are you comfortable relying on him being that great of a shooter, of a jump shooter yeah. going to the next level? Um, that's a question. I think that I lean more on the side that like he is special, um, but – you know, like, like you asked, there there aren't really a ton of comps there. I think he's a pretty yeah. unique player. I like the Rashard Lewis one. I think that's pretty interesting, yeah. at least kind of projected forward. Somebody who would be excellent in the modern era. Um, he would be probably even, even better than he was. Yeah. Um, just uh, kind of a natural four, just being able to to really hit threes at a high rate and then also put the ball on the floor a little bit, do, do so a lot of things from the mid post and, and things like that. So, um, I like that one, but with everybody, really, like there's not going to be too many exact comps. They're just kind of fun, kind of get an idea, a general idea of what they could be. Yeah. Um, but even the even the clay one, like it's more just play style, like being able to what he does and some of his similar strengths and weaknesses um, where that one comes from. So I don't really mind that one either. Um, yeah. I mean, and you mentioned Rashard Lewis, and a lot of people down here in Houston know Rashard Lewis because he played at A-Leaf Elsick, a high school down here um, in Houston. I mean, I think that's a really good comp because a lot of people may not know. They may just think of him from his Miami Heat days later in his career. But like you said, I mean, before, he was definitely a bucket. And I mean, in today's NBA, he would actually be the ideal uh, small ball for um, to play in today's NBA. So, I mean, I think that's a really good comp. Uh one more question before we wrap up the first segment. Um, I know you uh, gave your top five. Do you see a big gap between number three, like, for instance, we're talking about Jabari Smith here, and to number five? Um, do you see a big gap? And do you see any reason why a team like the Rockets would trade back to pick up an extra pick um, if there's not a huge gap between three and five? I don't I I really like the top three. I think yeah. that any one of those dudes who goes there, um, you go ahead and take and kind of yeah. figure it out and you're you're happy with the draft. I do and it, if it was a different situation, I think that there would be a little bit more conversation about Jaden Ivey. I think that he's a little closer to that top three group. And then five, there's kind of a drop off in my opinion. Okay. Um so I would go top three, and then there's a little drop off with Jaden Ivey, in my opinion. And then five, it starts getting a little weird. You got Shaden, who has high upside, but it's like, yeah. you know, that's pretty risky. Um, and then, like, guys like Keegan Murray, uh, the Jalen Durans, and, and then guys like that. So um, I would stay put if oh, I was a rocket. And well, I said that was the last question, but one more quick question I want to ask <laughs> okay. you. Um, next year's draft, I mean, we already have a lot of people here in Houston already plotting for next year's draft. Um, trying to get the Rockets to be in the top three again next year, um, which to me is kind of risky, but that's a whole nother story. Is next year draft as special as everyone has been saying it is? Yeah, it is. It's it's a lot. There's a lot of wings. Um, 
and not even talking about the top two guys. So you already you have Victor Wimman Yama. So that's that's the guy. That's the prize for next year. So there's going to be a lot of teams tanking. Um, yes. In my opinion, I think that you just kind of see where the, the the cars fall at the beginning of the season and then make that decision later on. Um, it's kind of hard to come into the season thinking about let's go tank for this dude. Um, but then you got Scoot Henderson, G League Knight, really good point guard. Um, you got the Thompson twins. You got Derek Whitehead um, out on the wing. So there's a lot of talent there, and I think that um, even if the Rockets maybe are a little bit more successful than people want them to be, there's somebody who could, you know, really fit into this team and in, in their their kind of timeline. Um, even if you don't, if you miss out on that top prize. So, um, but yeah, it's just kind of a weird thing where you starting a season off going like, Hey, we're going to tank, especially from like a team perspective, like really being in the locker room, that's a hard thing to sell to people um, for 82 games. You're playing games throughout the seven month season. Like that's just a really tough thing to do. So, um, but you know, if you have the opportunity going to, down the stretch of the season, you definitely Wimby is that guy to, to do that for if you were ever going to do that for a prospect, he's the one. Yeah. And I, I mean, you made a good point. It's hard for, you know, any players to think about, uh, tanking because at the end of the day, if they're bad enough to be back in the lottery, more than likely one of those players is probably going to be without a job the following year because they're going to have <laughs> someone taking their place. So, yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, the more I look at that draft, the more I hear people talk about it, it's definitely a, a special draft. And I guess we'll see how the season plays out because we all know once it gets towards the end of the year, then all of a sudden we have mystery injuries and players all of a sudden can't play. So <laughs> we'll see how that plays out. But, um, before, uh, we're going to get into uh, the second segment. We're going to be talking about the Rockets' 17th pick, which may be a little bit more uh, harder to figure out because you never know who's going to be there and who won't be there. Uh, but we're going to be talking about that in the second segment, so please stick around. And welcome back to the Rocket Fuel podcast. And in the second segment, I'll be uh, asking Keandre about uh, the Rockets' 17th pick. And like I said, I know it's kind of hard to kind of determine who will be at 17 because there's so many variables that go into it people rising, people falling. Um, but I want to kind of start there, Keandre. Who do you see as a possibility for the Rockets at 17, and who would you pick um, at, at that 17th pick? Almost an unlimited amount of, of outcomes that could happen uh, with the 17th pick because I personally am really high on guys like Jeremy Sohan and, and yeah. Tari Eason. So I wouldn't think that they would be there, but those are guys who you see often – showing up in mock drafts and, and being available um, by the, some of those bigger outlets and everything like that. So I think starting there, you know, guys like Tari Eason, a guy who was one of the, the better defenders in college basketball, yeah. had one of the highest steal and block rates um, really ever, um, definitely since Matisse Stiebel. So he's somebody who made a lot of plays on that end. Um, and then Jeremy Sohan, another guy who's really good on the defensive end, not quite the shot blocker, but somebody who could, potentially guard multiple positions in the league. I'd even say, you know, the way that he navigated screens and played on the perimeter, I'd even be comfortable putting him out there against ones, um, you know, just being able to 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 make something happen out there and not shut them down, but um, just be solid. So he's another guy who could fit into the framework. And obviously whatever happens at number three is going to dictate this decision too, um, based on who you want to get there. Uh, I think a guy like Marjan Bochamp out of the Ignite, um, yeah. fits on any team. So somebody who is a really good cutter without the ball, so he's someone who defends at a really high level, has similar measurables to a guy like Mikhail Bridges, 
um, kind of bring some of that same type of skill set uh, to the table. So that's an obvious option as well. And then, you know, if Mark Williams, Mark Williams stock has gone up a whole lot lately. Yeah. So he's probably not going to be there at this point, especially getting past teams like Charlotte um, two times. But if he's there, he's somebody who could really fit nicely next to someone like Shangoon, even sliding yeah. him down to the four, um, doing a lot of different things, complementing each other well. You've got the rim protection lob threat, and you've got the guy who's more the offensive hub doing all the things that you know he brings to the table. So um, a lot of different options, and there's even more that we could talk about, but those are some of the ones off the top of my head. And also, actually, before we uh, you know kick it over, is a guy like Jalen Williams, whose yeah. stock has risen whole lot i like him a lot in houston that's kind of that do it all wing um someone who six six seven two wingspan out of santa clara uh, being able to do multiple things create his own shot create shots for others i think i like him a lot at this 17 spot if he's there too and uh, we're joined by keandra ashley of hoops intellect uh i want to also ask you out of the players that you named because another uh thing that's kind of been popping up lately is possibility of rockets trading up from that 17th pick of the players you uh, just mentioned, which one of those players, if you saw, was still at 12 or 13 and you had an idea that maybe a team was possibly going to take them, wh- which one of those players would you actually trade up, uh, trade future draft capital to move up to get? Or or would you trade up for any of those players? I think it would just kind of de- be determined by some of the feelings of, of the other teams and, and who they're kind of looking at or the sort of positions that they might be trying to take. Yeah. I think Tari Eason is the best player out of those that I named. I think yeah. he's a potential lottery pick. So if he, if for some reason that you think that he's not going to be available at 17, then that's the guy that I would look to trade up for. Again, you know, if you get, you know, a certain player, at, if you get Jabari Smith or something and say you, you want to go in a different direction, I understand that too, just getting a different position. Um, but I think they work well together. I think the, you look at the league. You look at even like a team like Toronto getting Scotty Barnes, you know, Pascal Siakam, Precious yeah. Chua, all these six nine dudes who can move, do different things, handle the ball. Um, that's kind of the direction the league is going. So you even Boston being with all their um, success this year. So um, getting guys like that on the team and being able to cover up some of the things that maybe your guards don't do well or a big doesn't do well. That would be um, one of my things that I would be looking for at the 17th pick um, with those guys that I kind of named. And um, of course they, you know, the draft combine was happening uh, this week in Chicago. Um, and we also had the, you know, NBA uh, G league elite camp was also going on earlier in the week. Was there any players that you see as sleepers that had a really good week? Um, I mean, of course, you know, down here in Houston, we had Marcus Sasser who hadn't played in a, uh, you know, several months after his, you know, injury he had back in uh, last December, but he really uh, balled out in the uh, G League um, elite camp, and then he was invited to the combine. Are there any other players that you saw that really improved their stock um, uh, this past week in the uh, two camps? Yeah, so the guy that I named before, Jalen Williams, kind of over the past several weeks, past month, he's really been improving his stock, just kind of seeing the stuff that's come out, you know, 6'6", with a seven-two wingspan, that's obviously going to draw some eyes um, from the jump. But being actually being one of those guys who actually played in the scrimmages, even though his stock was rising, and he could have just very well sat out them games and and said, you know, I like where I'm where I'm at. 
but he's he's somebody who really competed out there. Um, so he'd be the first one that that really won. Um, I think a guy like Darion Sebron from from NC State, his ability to get to the basket, he really showed that in those scrimmages. Um, definitely boosted his stock as somebody who was maybe on that borderline of getting drafted to someone who I think would um, be a very good selection in the top sixty or top fifty-eight um, in this in this draft. Um, there's a few others out there. I like Christian Brown from Kansas. I like what he did. Um, Travion Williams had some good moments. Dominic Barlow out of the overtime elite. I think he was very, very impressive. Oh, and then, of course, Andrew Nimhard from Gonzaga did a lot of things. He was kind of also on that fringe of being drafted, but I think that he's one of the better playmaking point guards, one of the better leaders in the class. And even watching his interview, you could just tell he's somebody that you want um, kind of running the show out there and you feel confident in, especially given the type of high stakes situations he's been in the past several years in college and the type of um, pros that he's, he's played with, you know, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Suggs, yeah. Corey Kisper, you know, the list goes on. So um, guys like that who, who really, improve their their stock um, in different parts of the draft um, as well. Oh, also, actually, Ryan Rollins from, from Toledo. Yeah. There's always kind of a, a unknown with some of the mid-major prospects. I think even with Bones Highland last year um, coming out of VCU, you want to see him play against those, you know, top-tier talents. And, you know, while he didn't maybe didn't shoot the ball the greatest, he, he made a lot of different plays. He had this help side block that really, you know, turned some heads and he actually shut it down day two. So um, that's pretty encouraging for his draft stock. And I like what he can do, you know, just kind of his pace in the pick and roll, his his wingspan ability to to get to his spots. And um, he's another one who I think really improved his stock over over the combine. And you just mentioned a lot of players uh, people may not uh, even know about. What do you think is the – do you think this is a, one of the type of drafts that's – of course, you have the top players, but you have a lot of hidden gems to where – like last year the Rockets actually – or the year before that, they actually traded back into the draft and picked up a player like a, a Kenya Martin Jr. Do you think that those type of players late in the draft to where you can possibly see a team trading back into the second round if maybe they don't have a second round pick to pick up one of those players? Or it's just a more of a – Waiting, wait and see, and maybe signing, uh, you know, them to when they're uh, not signed, and just bringing them into camp. Uh, do you see this being more of a even draft, or more just like a top heavy draft? Well, there, there's obviously that that separation at the top yeah. with those those early guys, but even from like twenty to the forty range. Excuse me. Um, I really like a lot of the prospects there, and then even going back down further. Um, you kind of get a chance to opportunity to to possibly cherry back into the draft if you see a guy that you like or maybe someone who fell, um, because I think that that will definitely happen on draft night. But also there's that game where you get the agents, you you play this um, kind of with Austin Reeves last year where you try to put yeah. them into a, a great situation. So maybe even turning down an opportunity to get drafted to get you to a, a spot like this, um, a Houston. To, to be able to kind of secure more of a long-term role in the NBA. So that's something that you kind of just have to juggle and, and wait and see to see who who's available and who would be worth trading back into the draft to get or try to play that game, you know, come as an undrafted free agent and we'll, we'll immediately sign you to, to, to a longer-term deal. And speaking of, I wanted to kind of ask you about a few of the current 
players uh, that has completed their rookie years. Of course, we already talked a little bit about Apra and Shangoon. Um, of course, we talked about Jalen Green. Um, you also have players like Josh Christopher and Uzma Garuba, uh, who we also talked about a little bit. I wanted to ask you, um, how much did you look at a player like Adacia Nix last year going into the draft? Because, of course, he played with Jalen Green. He played with Kaminga, uh, with the G League and Knight team. And this year he actually wasn't drafted, and he actually worked his way up from um, not being drafted to playing with the Rio Grande Valley Vipers, the Rockets G League affiliate, and eventually playing so well that he actually got a standard contract deal with the Rockets. Uh, do you remember anything you saw from Dacia Nix as part of your scouting uh, going into last year, and were you surprised at all that he wasn't drafted? I was actually surprised that he wasn't drafted. I thought somebody was going to at least um... – take a chance on him you know you had a little bit of concerns about him his foot speed defensively you know maybe some some weight and and obviously the shooting but there was a lot there and he performed pretty well uh, at the g league level um as an 18 year old somebody who can make a lot of plays for others and and just use his size to his advantage in a lot of different ways um and then obviously like you like you mentioned what he did in the g league this year was even a step up from what he did Um, in his first year. So I was surprised that he didn't get drafted. Thought that he was a little bit, you know, earlier in the year, I had him a lot higher on my board and, and things like that. He fell down a little bit, kind of just considering a, a few different things, uh, the likelihood, the outcome of it. But he's definitely a good guy to have um, in the organization. And that was a great pickup by by Houston, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's that's kind of one of the benefits of rebuilding. You can always bring in those type of players and it doesn't really affect anything because as far as, you know, you're trying to win games because you're not really, that's not really the Rockets' main goal. Um, one thing I do want to ask you about Jalen Green before we wrap everything up, from what you saw um, with the G League at night and going into the draft and some of the scouting that you did, did you was there any surprises from you on how he performed? Because we all know at the beginning of the year he struggled a little bit, but that was a lot to do with, the way the Rockets were constructed, especially their starting lineup, where they had basically absolutely no space on the court um, for most of the time, the first couple of months, to where he performed at the end of the year. Did you see any surprises? Did you see anything that you did not think he was going to be able to do that first year that he was able to do out on the court? Um, Not really. I think that I kind of expected him to eventually reach what he reached um, yeah. this year. Um, maybe not the type of run that he went on at the very end where he was getting 40 yeah. with real ease. Um, but in terms of like the type of player that he was and, and how he showed off his, his ability to create shots at a super high level, I think all the, the pieces that were there um, in the G League. So um, it was just going to take some time and him for him to get comfortable and hopefully the team to put the ball in his hands and, and kind of just work and get him in the right position. So um, I wasn't necessarily surprised, uh, but I was, you know, excited to see how well he did play. Um, and I think that he's even ahead of schedule um, and, and projects really well going into to next year. And one more thing on, on Jalen. Do you see him eventually uh, from all the tape and different videos you've watched of him over the years? Do you see him eventually being able to be not necessarily a primary facilitator, but to be able to improve his, his overall um, basically um, running the offense? Because as you know, the Rockets, they have Kevin Porter Jr., who's not a traditional point guard. Um, you still do have Alperin Shangoon, 
who also can be another facilitator. But do you see that as something that kind of a next step that Jalen Green can possibly do? Or do you see him more of where he is now, where he's pretty much a shot maker, can occasionally run pick and rolls, but that's not really what he primarily does? Yeah, so I think it's just going to be, you know, we will be able to see it with time. I think that he definitely has great secondary potential. Um, and I think you just kind of you just kind of wait and see what, what the growth areas that he has on, on that front. Um, but he already showed a lot, you know, down the stretch of the season. I like to see him even in even more pick and rolls and just kind of experimenting and being able to see him in those kind of situations um, to see what you can get out of that. Um, but he just doesn't really have that natural ability to be like a, a true point guard or somebody yeah. like that, which is, which is fine. You know, everybody has their roles on the play on the, on the court and, and does different things. But um, yeah, as a secondary guy, I, re- I really like him. And one more question before we wrap up the show. I want to ask you about, of course, the playoffs are going on right now. Um, even though as Rockets fans, we may not be paying as much attention, but it is actual game still being played. Who do you see actually going to the finals and who do you have winning the finals at this point? Yeah, so I think at this point, I think I would say Golden State is going to the finals out of the West. Um, I just think they present a different kind of matchup for for Dallas. And you saw kind of their offense get really stagnant last night trying to do all the switching switch hunting that they were doing. Um, and then in the East, I, I it's hard to not be to have like some recency bias with how Boston played with, uh, yeah. especially with Horford and, and smart back. That's who I would probably pick, but you know, Miami is a, is an animal themselves. And I know that they're going to bounce back. They're not going to get blown out like they did last game. Yeah. Um, or at least I would think. So I think I'd go with, you know, Boston and Golden State in the finals. And then probably, I probably pick Boston to win. I just think that what they can do um, defensively, just, all five positions you got Marcus, your 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 first your worst defender in your starting lineup is probably Jalen Brown. And yeah, a lot of teams could use what he could do on the wing. So um just just seeing the shot making in the level that Jason Tatum was getting to and just kind of the synergy that they all have as a team. Um, which is crazy because earlier in the season they looked terrible on yeah. all fronts. So uh, I think I would pick the Celtics to to win the finals at this point. Yeah, like you mentioned, M.A. Duca, they were talking about possibly uh, him not even making it throughout the season. So to, to see where they are now, it's just kind of crazy. Um, and I know a lot of Rockets fans will actually be fine with Boston winning because we've seen enough of Golden State over the years, <laughs> especially here in Houston. I, just real quick, it's kind of funny. You mentioned about Dallas' stagnant offense. It's, it's just watching Dallas and with Luka kind of trying to do everything, it just really reminds me of the – Harden pre-Chris Paul days, it was kind of the exact same thing where Harden was great at times, but then the rest of the team just kind of just couldn't get it done. And, yeah, I kind of see the same thing. Unfortunately, it seems like Golden State's going to move on to the next round. Um, before we wrap it up, uh, Keandre, why don't you let everybody know again where they can find all your great content? Yeah, so you can find me on YouTube, Hoop Intellect. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Hoop Intellect with three L's. It should pop up when you search it in. Um I'm on Instagram, Hoopin' Elect as well. So just kind of creating a lot of different content, cross-platforms, talking um, a lot of live up-to-the-minute stuff on Twitter and then obviously doing the YouTube content. So, yeah, that's where you can find me. I appreciate you having me on for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I appreciate you coming on, and we'll definitely probably have you back on because we're going to have plenty of time to talk 
uh, draft and even after the draft, um, talking about how each of those players going to fit. So I, I definitely appreciate you jumping on today. And anybody that hasn't checked out your YouTube video, definitely need to make sure they do because, like I said, it's a, it's pretty much my go-to YouTube channel when I need, you know, because I'm not a draft expert at all. So whenever I need that type of information, I definitely check out your YouTube page. So definitely keep up the great work on the page. I appreciate it, man. Um, yeah, so shout out to all the, the Rockets fans, and I like what you're doing with the growing the pod, starting the pod. Yeah, I definitely appreciate it. Like I said, we'll definitely have you back on. Um, that's going to wrap it up for today's show. Uh, like I said earlier, we're going to have wall-to-wall draft coverage. We're definitely going to have a live Twitter Spaces um, on draft night. I'm talking about the draft. It's going to be a long, but hopefully a, a, a great night. We should probably going to see a lot of surprises, so make sure you uh, stay tuned for that. Even before that, we're going to have a lot of more draft coverage coming up, uh, so make sure you uh, stick around and check that out. And like I said, like our our uh, page on YouTube. Also, uh, make sure you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. And as usual, we appreciate everybody jumping on and listening to the Rocket Fuel Podcast.